0: Welcome to the Recovery Hour podcast, where we choose to recover out loud by sharing our personal stories of inspiration, hope, and triumph. Together, we can end the stigma and shame typically tied to mental illness and the disease of addiction. We are proof that recovery does happen. Joy and laughter may be involved. This is the Recovery Hour with Lori Winfeld. Hey, everyone. It is your host, Lori Windfeld. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited about today's episode. I am going to talk to you about survival guides, about holiday guides, about guides, guides, guides. I feel like everywhere I turn on social media, especially around December, January, there is just an influx of read this guide here and read this guide there and what's your new year resolution going to be and what are you going to do for the holidays and I love that there's so much support out there but sometimes it's a little overwhelming so what I did was go through and list some of my favorite holiday survival guides you know just basically spiel and really great resources on how to deal with the next several weeks of your life. Take what you can, what resonates with you, leave the rest of the bullshit if you don't like it. If you don't like any of it, then we clearly don't have the same taste and I'm okay with that. But these are some resources and I know most of the people that I am going to refer to today have definitely put in a lot of work to get this information out and it is the least I can do to share with you, our listeners. So here we go. Starting with none other than Jean McCarthy, the host of the Bubble Hour podcast and award-winning blogger and author. Jean has put together a beautiful book called Unpickled Holiday Survival Guide, Staying Alcohol-Free During the Festive Season. There's just everything and more. That you have to read if you are in a situation of wanting to stay sober, starting to stay sober, getting sober. I'm going to just read you the summary written about Jean from the Amazon.com, which is where you can purchase her book. From the writer of the popular recovery blog Unpickled and host of the Bubble Hour podcast comes this resource guide for the holidays. Wondering how to stay alcohol-free at the annual rounds of office parties and family gatherings when booze is everywhere? Worried about how to respond when situations get uncomfortable? Wish you knew what other sober people have to say about their experiences? Unpickled Holiday Survival Guide includes insights and lessons learned from hundreds of interviews and blog posts about life after alcohol. Plus, you also get practical exercises to build your readiness for awkward situations, bonus information for friends and family of people in recovery, and tips from others in recovery. This really is just such a wonderful resource. And again, you can purchase this at Amazon.com Unpickled Holiday Survival Guide. And I would love to read an excerpt that really spoke to me. Basically... Jean talked about common ideas that can become normalized around the holidays, and I am going to list those off as she did in her book. See what you think. If this is something that resonates with you or speaks to you or you're getting all goosebumpy, go buy her book. Okay. So here are some of the common ideas that can be normalized around the holidays per Jean. I have to visit or host extended family because it is a special family occasion. I have to follow the family traditions because that is how everyone wants it done. I need to host an event when it is my turn. I have to be polite by eating or drinking the fancy things that others put out a lot of effort into making, even if I don't want to. I have to serve alcohol to others because it's festive. Jean continues on to say, nothing on this list seems overly dramatic or even out of the ordinary, yet every item can be tested for its truth. What if we reconsider the list with some adjustments? I may be expected, by myself or by others, to visit or host extended family because it is a special family. I may be expected, by myself or by others, to visit or host extended family because it is a special family occasion, but it isn't true that I must. I may be expected by myself or by others to follow the family traditions, but it isn't true that I must. If you see a pattern here, we have changed. I say we because I feel like this is something we created and we didn't. Gene did. <laughs> I may be expected by myself or by others. The end we're adding, but it isn't true that I must. I may be expected by myself or by others to serve alcohol to others because it is festive, but it isn't true that I must. It's just a lovely thought process, and I'm so excited this resource is available. So thank you, Jean McCarthy. Next on the list, Linda Parmar. She's a certified money coach, professional recovery coach, and she recovers coach who helps support women in their relationship with money. She put out an awesome Overspender's Guide to the Holidays. Now, if you're overspending, you've likely done that already. <laughs> but no, it's an awesome guide that you can request if you go to her website and that's Linda P-A-R-M-A-R P-A-R-M-A-R.com. She has a few powerful tools to help you start a healthy relationship with money. She's got top five money tips, conscious spending, 21-day email inspirations, and so on. So if you're interested in anything related to money in your recovery, please go over to lindaparmar.com. And her overspenders guide, I just love. It's simple enough just for you to know give seven steps to ensure you keep yourself on track during the holidays. Um, Some of those steps include determining how much you have to spend. So I mean, that's pretty normal, right? Is to set a budget, but sometimes we can't do that. So um, setting expectations, making a list, checking it twice, and uh, to make a spending plan. So those are a few items that Linda has on her list. Love, love, love it. Overspender's Guide to the Holidays. Request it if you need it. I mean, it really is good for any time of the year, specifically around now when we get crazy and decide we want to buy everybody everything. So thank you, Linda Parmar, Overspender's Guide to the Holidays. Love it. Oh my gosh, you guys, this one really spoke to me. I am sure that I've talked to you on the pod about having lost several of my family members, particularly hard ones, not that they're ever easy, um, but really significant in my life were my dad. When I was 16 years old, my father passed. And then also two years later, my brother also died. And they were both in pretty horrific accidents. And so it was really wonky for our family. And my dad actually died on Thanksgiving Day. Day Obviously that changes every year, but um, the, the year that he passed, it was actually Thanksgiving day. And then my brother was in a terrible accident in his home. He had a gas leak and unfortunately it ignited into an explosion when he flipped on a light switch. Um, he wound up surviving in the hospital critically wounded for about 10 days and the accident happened in early December and he passed on December 12th. So these two deaths happened very near the holiday season and it just puts me in a funk and I feel like I don't always think about them specifically but I am always just ugh when November, December rolls around. So I found this article that I really thought was helpful. Holidays After the Death of a Loved One. And this was written by Linda Walter, a psychotherapist with more than 25 years of experience with her private practice located in New York City and Westchester. I feel like the best way to really honor this article is to read it. And of course, I will link to it in the show notes if you'd like to print a copy or just have that handy. Holidays after the death of a loved one, how to survive the holidays after a loss. Holidays can be stressful and exhausting, even in the best of times. There are many expectations placed on us to be joyful, excited, busy, and happy to see family and friends that we often feel we fail to meet those expectations. Many people feel disappointed, even let down, after family gatherings. After the death of a loved one, holidays may bring up more sadness, add more stress, and lead to more loneliness. When we lose someone we love, it's normal to face the holidays with dread and wonder how we're going to endure them. Many people worry they'll never enjoy the holidays again, never look forward to them again, feeling they just want to go away to be alone until the season is over. This may be the time when we miss our loved ones the most, when their absence is glaring no matter how long ago the death occurred, and it may be the time when we most need support from others. These feelings are perfectly natural. While it is true the holidays will not be the same, you can make them different in a meaningful and helpful way. Don't run away from your feelings. Instead, use them to redefine your holiday, tailoring celebrations to meet your new needs. Who says holiday traditions have to be the same year after year? Consider doing away with traditions that were meaningless or unpopular and creating new ones in their place. Incorporating your loved one into new traditions or rituals can enhance the way you remember them and ensure they will be a part of holidays to come. Here are some ideas for incorporating your loved one into the holidays. Light a candle or say a prayer for them. Share a story about them and ask everyone to do the same. It can even be a funny story. This is a way to pay tribute to the loss while honoring their places in your life. Make your loved one's favorite dish or recipe and name it for them, like grandma's rice pudding. Include it in your menu for the future. Repeat a tradition that your loved one may have started or liked. For example, if they always gave a certain toast, give that toast in their honor. Show pictures of them. Everyone grieves in their own way. There isn't a roadmap for grief. Allow yourself time and pay attention to your needs. Don't take on more than feels good, more than what you want to do. If you don't feel up to hosting, don't volunteer for it. If you feel like staying at someone's house for an entire evening will be too much for you, let them know that you will come for a part, but not all of the evening. Just thinking about your loved one not being at your holiday table may intensify the grief, the sadness, and may even make you angry and resentful at them for leaving you. These feelings are natural. Grief manifests itself in a myriad of emotions that can run the gamut. Try to just notice them and focus on something else. Be kind and gentle to yourself in some of the following ways. Allow yourself time to grieve if you want and need to. If you know people who are uncomfortable with your sadness, don't spend time with them. Surround yourself with those who can support you and are sensitive to your feelings. If you find yourself smiling, laughing, even enjoying yourself, don't feel guilty. You're always allowed to feel joy, even in grief. You may find yourself overcome with sadness, the giggles, or both seemingly out of nowhere. Grief comes when our senses are aroused by external stimuli. It could come from anything, a song, a commercial, a smell. Again, notice it and try to focus on something else. Let people know what you need. If you need someone to be with you, ask. If you need to leave a party early, tell the host and leave. Allow others to be there for you, but most of all, you be there for you. Try to participate in some holiday gatherings or at least part of them. Getting out of the house or getting on a Zoom will give you a sense of normalcy, a sense of belonging that can be quite comforting. Volunteer somewhere that's meaningful to you or was meaningful to your loved one. Helping others is one of the best ways to lift spirits. If you don't feel like you're getting enough support, consider enlisting the help of a therapist, even if just to help to get through the holidays. Don't take on too much, minimize your stress as much as possible. There's a tendency to want to either do nothing or keep busy all the time. Keeping busy is fine, but not to the point where you feel stressed. Try not to overindulge in either food or alcohol. They may be temporary fixes, but chances are you'll feel worse the next day. They will not take away the pain and grief. And lastly, take care of yourself physically. Get enough sleep, eat right, exercise, and follow as much of a normal routine as possible. Remember, time does heal wounds, but we all heal in our own way and time. I feel like that was such a powerful message and one that many of us need to hear because we do grieve differently because our relationships are different with every single person in our life. And while I talk about losing my brother and my father, other people in our family are dealing with the same loss, a son, a dad, And those are different relationships. So having a guide like this or having this resource to read if you're lost and you're looking for answers to how to deal with grief or what to do, I really liked this one. That's why I read it out loud completely for you to hear because it's one of my faves. Thank you, Linda Walter. Life without anxiety. Psychology Today is where this article is written. And again, I will have that in the show notes for you. Who doesn't feel a little lonely during the holiday season? I mean, a lot of us are married, have children, have family, but there's really something about being alone or feeling lonely. A news team in Toronto, Canada, put together this little blip about the holiday blues. Alone during the holidays, how to cope when you're feeling lonely While the holidays are often a difficult time for people experiencing loneliness, this year may be harder than most as pandemic-related restrictions keep loved ones apart. This increased isolation has led some experts to worry that it will cause an uptick of loneliness, anxiety, and depression in the population, particularly during the holidays and the winter months. Many of us are feeling lonely during this time because of physical distancing. We miss our get-togethers, we miss hugs, and we miss human touch. Dr. David Dozes, a psychologist professor at Western University who helped design a survey earlier in the pandemic about rising rates of anxiety and depression, said during an interview with ctvnews.ca in October, Humans are the most social animals in the world. Loneliness can also impact an individual's physical health, according to a new study by Canadian researchers, which found the brains of lonely people have different characteristics than people who do not experience regular loneliness. They suggest these differences may be the result of lonely people using certain parts of the brain to adapt to their situation. For those who may be worried about their mental health during the holiday season, CTVANews.ca has rounded up some recommendations from the experts on how to cope this year. First, they suggest normalizing feelings. The doctor said, one of the first things to remember is that it's normal to experience loneliness right now and that we can take comfort in the fact that you're not alone in feeling this way. Many of us are experiencing loneliness during this time and especially with COVID. It's okay to normalize that and recognize this is difficult. A clinical counselor, Jennifer Hollinshead, said people should acknowledge how they're feeling and take it one step further by going past what she calls catastrophic thinking. When you're catastrophizing, you're thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be so unhappy over the holidays. Usually your brain stops there and you just panic. To move beyond this panic, she encourages her clients to ask themselves, then what, when they're feeling this way? If you say something to yourself like, okay, well, then what, what am I going to do? It really takes you from catastrophizing, helpless perspective, and it moves you through, okay, worst case scenario, you're on your own. Then what? She says a simple shift in mindset can restore an individual's power over their lives in order to make future plans. There's also discussion about seeking connections and how it's been harder through the COVID-19 pandemic. Finding balance, to seek social connections, saying those that are feeling lonely should try to find structure in your days. Pursuing healthy distractions, if you're dreading the holidays, focus on activities that you enjoy and that distract you. And of course, if you are in a crisis or know someone that is in a crisis, to please seek professional help. Lots of information, lots more information on this article, ctvnews.ca. You know it. I'm going to say it again. I'll link it in the show notes. You know I talk about this often on the podcast if you're a long-time listener. (laughs) Long-time listener since August when we started here. But if you enjoy the show, you're listening to all the episodes and hopefully read some of the things that I write and take hours and hours of workaholism and perfectionism to put together these summaries for Apple, iTunes, Spotify, blah, blah, blah. One of the things that really means a lot to me is that we get the message out that recovery does not always equal sobriety. There are a lot of people that are recovering from something other than alcohol use disorder or substance use disorder. And so this next guide which again is an article that I thought was so helpful not only to those that have an eating disorder, but for people like myself who don't, but can appreciate that there is something else going on with someone else and how can I educate myself about that? So the recoverywarriors.com put out Anastasia Amore. Seven ways to survive the holidays with an eating disorder. The Christmas holidays are supposed to be a magical time filled with friends and family, love, laughter, and sharing beautiful meals together. Except for someone suffering or recovering from an eating disorder, Christmas can mean panic, fear, and overwhelm. For those who never experienced an eating disorder, it can be difficult to comprehend how fruit mince pies and candy canes and plum pudding could bring about such anxiety. And this lack of understanding can often make an eating disorder sufferer or someone in recovery feel worse. Particularly if difficult memories and plenty of triggers are present, the holidays can be a painful time, but they don't have to be. With a little planning and preparation, you can help the holidays go smoothly and keep negative feelings, fears, and disordered thoughts at bay. Now I'm going to list off the seven tips that Anastasia mentions. First tip here is to try and stick to a normal eating routine. Second, plan ahead if you can to help yourself avoid any out of the blue panic moments. Third, be realistic about where you are in your recovery journey. Fourth, have a support plan in place. Fifth, have an exit plan. Six, allow yourself to say no if you feel it necessary. Seven. Allow yourself to say yes to new experiences. Ending the article is one of those, and above all, try to remember this. Your choices are allowed to be your own. You're allowed to change the subject. Food is not the enemy. Focusing on the positive memories will help you. Although it's tempting to stay silent about whatever fears, worries, and anxieties you may be facing, staying quiet always makes it much harder. Facing the holidays with an eating disorder is rarely easy, but making a conscious effort to be mindful to continuing your recovery path is always worth it. I love this article. Like most things in recovery, take what you want, take what is good for your soul and leave the rest of the bullshit. But this is written specifically for people with eating disorders And as I read down this list, I realize that it can be helpful for any type of disorder, whether that be drinking, shopping, gambling. These are basic skills and tools that we need to have in order to live in recovery. Sticking to routines, planning ahead, being realistic, having support, the exit plan, say no, allow yourself to say yes. I mean, these are all things we have to do. So I love, love, love this. Thank you so much, Anastasia. And guess what? I will definitely put the link to the article in the show notes. What can be next on the list? Well, how journaling can help with PTSD. Okay, so it's not a holiday guide. It's literally everything. It's everything, every day for everyone. VeryWellMind.com. How Journaling Can Help With PTSD. This was written by Matthew Toole. And I'm going to give a little spiel. And then, <laughs> you guessed it. In the show notes, you can have the link. And go check it out. How Journaling Can Help With PTSD. Some psychotherapists are now recommending journaling. Also called expressive writing to help people cope with the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. If you have PTSD... Here's how journaling can help, as well as how to do it. And I have to just jump myself in here before I continue reading. I was told when I went into treatment for alcohol use disorder, by the way, obviously I went in there for that. And within days, I was told a laundry list of conditions, diseases, labels of what was happening with me. And I took it all and understood that it was stuff that I needed to really look at and take a look at my life and take a look at the wounds that were not healed and just really get to the root of the cause of drinking to numb. One of the diagnoses that was determined was PTSD. And at the time, I just remember being so confused because PTSD in my mind, was what happened when people were at war, when people were at Vietnam, like my dad. And I would hear all the time, he had PTSD from the bombs or from the missiles or from the guns. Um, I have a sister who's also in the military who also was kidnapped and had a horrific incident that was obviously traumatic. And until I really got deep into my recovery and started exploring different recovery pathways, I realized that my childhood was traumatic, that my life has been traumatic, that I have post-traumatic stress disorder because I have experienced so many traumatic happenings in my life. So I get it. And I think that the more you dig deep and the more we forget labels and what others decide we are or aren't, it will help us. So just know while this is an article written about post-traumatic stress disorder, and it could help to cope with the symptoms of that, journaling obviously is something that is one of the go-to recovery tools that people suggest. And it's not easy for everyone, but there is proof that journaling is helping with the symptoms of post Traumatic Stress Disorder. Benefits for people with PTSD. In the recent years, research has shown that journaling may help people with PTSD in several ways. Psychologically, expressive writing appears to help people better cope with symptoms such as anxiety and anger. Physically, journaling can make a difference as well, reducing body tension and restoring focus. This part is really interesting to me and I love to hear this. In addition, we're learning that traumatic events may lead not just to post-traumatic stress, but to post-traumatic growth. In other words, there can be silver linings and experiencing trauma may help you change in positive ways as well. Expressive writing has been found not only to improve the symptoms of PTSD and coping with them, but it also appears to help foster post-traumatic growth or the ability to find meaning in and have positive life changes following a traumatic event. Whew, I love it. I mean, this is gold. Verywellmind.com, they talk about what you'll need before journaling, steps for journaling, which are pretty lengthy. Journaling tips, keep in mind while you're writing, prompts, it's a really in-depth article that I think would be so helpful to anyone in recovery, or even not in recovery for that matter. So take a look at it. I'm not going to say it again. Okay, I'm going to say it again. I'll put the link in the show notes. So I talked a little bit earlier about sobriety during the holiday season, and I'm going to talk a little more about it. It is a thing and it's shoved in our faces. I always think back to alcohol being the only drug that you have to explain not doing. Like, can you imagine walking into a party and somebody offering you just lines of Coke and you being like, no, thank you. And then getting razzed for it. Like, I mean, I just think about the beginning of my sobriety and people thinking I was crazy by not taking a glass of champagne that was offered to me at the hotel, like it's free. (laughs) Or, you know, do you want a double shot of something because it's happy hour? And I'm like, I'm just looking for some fried cheese, bitches. Like I don't need tequila. Thank you for the $3 savings offer, but I'd rather just have some fried cheese. So we're going to talk a little bit more about sobriety. Love this. Have yourself a sober little Christmas. Battling Addictions During the Holidays. This is by Marilyn Campbell. With the holidays come an increase in imbibing. For battling addiction, the ubiquity of temptations can make attending social events. Even those that are virtual or small in-person outdoor gatherings can be difficult, but not impossible. Staying sober is a daily, sometimes even hourly choice. During a pandemic, this may be especially difficult because of loneliness and social isolation. In order to protect ourselves from spreading the virus, so many people are experiencing being lonely, which is hard at any time, but especially during the holidays. Advanced planning when anticipating times when there might be triggers or temptations to drink is important. Y'all here in the theme here have a plan. The end. Well, the end of my rant, but... I'm going to keep talking about this article. (laughs) Build in activities, set up alternative things that are pleasurable. Keep yourself busy with tasks or appointments to greet or meet people virtually by phone or go out on a brisk walk. Tell a trusted loved one that you're planning. Have plans in place to help with those urges. This doc also encourages her clients to make a list of tools that they will use to counteract the urges that she calls choosing health and happiness, such as going for a 15 minute walk. It is important to have a plan and work your plan. Even if conducted virtually, make sure to participate in regular meetings. Stay in touch with your recovery support person, whether it is a sober friend or a dedicated sponsor. And to counteract the isolation that many of us are feeling, reach out to help another person. These are a variety of options for those looking for support. For instance, call someone you know is alone. Meet up for a socially distanced coffee with a neighbor or friend where you each bring your own thermos and blanket. Practice benevolence. Volunteer to help provide food to those that need it. When we help others, we help ourselves. So true. And in case you missed it recently, sidebar conversation here, yours truly did a really cool presentation recently at She Recovers on Facebook, and I believe it's on YouTube as well. She Recovers. They do an awesome, well, they do everything awesome, but on Mondays, they hold a group gathering at 9 a.m. Pacific time called Mental Health Mondays. And they have professionals come in every week to discuss specific topics. I recently talked about the hard work of recovery. And a lot of that had to do with volunteerism and how that can help you when serving others helps you as well as the community. So if you haven't already, please go take a look at that. If you are a woman in recovery and have access to Facebook, check out She Recovers. And there you can find the link to Mental Health Mondays. And there's a video of Lori Windfeldt, the Heartwork work of recovery. I would love for you to see that. All right, so... Volunteer to help provide food that those need it. When we help others, we help ourselves. Okay. It's also important to acknowledge and understand the reasons why sobriety might be challenging during this time of year. It may be difficult for people to stay sober during a pandemic holiday because many of us are experiencing anxiety, depression, or loneliness and want to feel better. We also have expectations that we should enjoy the holidays and do fun social activities. Alcohol, and other substances may help us feel better briefly and stop thinking about problems. When spending time with difficult family or navigating gift giving and money shortages, alcohol or other substances might appear to provide temporary stress relief. Those feelings are fleeting, so engaging in or developing hobbies can help fill the void normally satisfied by substances. Maintain one's physical health. Here we go again. You guys getting this? Adequate sleep. Exercise, nutrition to reduce urges to use substance. There's a pattern in all these things, you guys, and this is why I have chosen the guides and articles I have because the patterns are proven to get you through your shit. I mean, who's really getting adequate sleep? Who's doing all of this? If you are, kudos. And I so aspire to be in your shoes and I'm working on it right like bits and pieces that's a big fat lie there's really only one piece of sleep I get sleep <laughs> I don't do anything else the right way and when I say the right way it's the suggested way to maintain physical health that is just as important as all of the work that we're doing behind the scenes in the mental health aspect getting adequate sleep exercising and I'm not talking about going to the gym or having a home gym, or running a freaking marathon. We're talking about movement, whether that's Taryn Strong's yoga classes that she recovers, whether that a boxing class online. Somebody's always talking about the Peloton. Are you riding that thing? Or for goodness sakes, if you have stairs in your house, how many times do you walk up them a day? So sleep, exercise, and nutrition's been really difficult. It's been so difficult during the pandemic. I haven't wanted to drink, but I have surely been eating my way through anything that's at my home. So, you know, bits and pieces. Progress, not perfection. Have yourself a sober little Christmas. Link in show notes. As a recovery coach, I have the honor of working with others in the community that are also coaches. And Meg Sheridan is one of those, the SoberMojo.com fabulous full-color recovery. And while her sober strategies for the silly season was written in 2019, so not pandemic-related, it will definitely be what you need to hear and what you need to work on. Um, for the upcoming seasons, the Silly Season Sober Strategy. So cool. She has a video on her website as well as worksheets. She talks about the sober strategy, what that is specifically, the step and how to discover what you need. And then there's this worksheet. You talk about choosing your strategies and some obstacles and how to conquer them. So go to sobermojo.com to check it out. Silly Season Sober Strategy, I'll go through them real quick and you can go to her website and get the details on the rest of them. Fill up first, number one. Number two, beverages. Take care of yourself by bringing good choices to drink. Silly Season Sober Strategy, number three is transportation. Number four, portable supports. What the hell does that mean? Well, bring your podcast and headphones like the Recovery Hour. Choose meaningful music, avoid triggering music, those sort of things. Silly season sober strategy number five, saying no. Refuse an offered drink, avoid a hug or kiss that doesn't feel good. I mean, just fricking say no. No means no, bitches. (sighs) Number six, celebration. Take note of what you're doing, allow yourself to feel because that's hard too. And that's it. (laughs) I'm scrolling down the page looking for more. Okay, number six is it. So we have six silly season sober strategies. I think she did that on purpose because she knew I was gonna read this. Sobermojo.com, Mag Sheridan, thank you for your contribution. What do we have next? I mean, we're, we're talking sobriety, so let's keep going. How about drinks? Even if you're not living a sober life, But you want to be in a position where you choose not to drink alcohol for whatever reason. Like, I don't know, you don't want to wake up with a hangover tomorrow or it's just not your thing or you might be pregnant. Or you might be on a certain medication that is mind-altering if you take it and ingest alcohol. I mean, there are so many reasons not to drink, and it sucks that we have to say why. But anyway, a sober girl's guide, Jessica Jabolt. Oh my goodness. I was so excited to come across her guide to a booze-free happier hour, how to achieve relaxation, avoid boredom, and socialize without alcohol. Loved it. I went on a little tirade about it earlier. But guess what? I found out when I say earlier, meaning while I was recording, not like you heard it, but now you're thinking I didn't hear her say anything about a sober girl's guide with Jessica. It's because it's not on there because I'm just saying shit out loud. I first recorded guide to a booze free happier hour and my review of it, but there's a newer guide fresh off the freaking press people. So I deleted what I talked about earlier. And we're going to talk about this now. A sober girl's guide to holiday mocktails. How cool is that? I'm really geeked up about this. And of course, if you're a guy, you don't have to think, oh my gosh, it's for girls because it's not, that's dumb. It's just what she calls herself or her blog or her coaching practice. It doesn't matter if you're not a sober girl, if you're a sober guy, that's fine. But if you're looking for the best non-alcoholic options, this guide has recipes to get your spirits up. So let's get started. (laughs) Hey, guess what? I'm going to put a link in the show notes so you can get the ingredients and directions to make these mocktails, but listen up to these delicious ideas. Sober Island iced tea. Oh my god, it just immediately makes me think of Long Island iced tea, which is the death of anyone. How many freaking alcohols did they put in that thing? Anywho, <laughs> this is a non alcoholic twist on the nighttime classic. This iced tea is full of flavor with a tart citrus finish. Go check it out. Lime Ricky. Hey, the Virgin Mary. <laughs> oh my God. Isn't that just like tomato juice? God help me. What does she do differently here? Ooh, you can make it a michelada by adding your favorite non-alcoholic beer. My mind was just blown. So it's not just tomato juice. It's lemon, Worcestershire. Is that how you say it? Worcestershire, or Worcestershire? I don't know. Everybody says it differently. Uh, Celery salt, pepper, hot sauce. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's like a spiced up situation. Sweet sunrise. Sober Girls Guide Punch. If you're looking for the perfect fall or winter mocktail, look no further. I'm going to save that one for you to go check it out. And The Sundowner. It's a wonderful last minute choice for any occasion. You need white grape juice and sparkling water with a little mint. That sounds easy enough. Last but not least, the Holiday Pomegranate Nojito. Nojito? Nojito. Mojito? Nojito? I can't say mojito. Nojito. Nojito. When it comes to holiday entertaining, some of the best drinks take advantage of the fruits that come into season during the winter. Among those, the pomegranate. Mmm, delicious. All right, peeps, get on that. I have some more sober recipes from Zero Proof Nation and Sands Bar. Not one in the same, but there's a guy, Chris Marshall, my pal, who is the founder of Sands Bar and co founder of Zero Proof Nation with. None other than Laura Silverman. Yes, Zero Proof Nation. Also hot off the press here from Zero Proof Nation. Wilderton. Botanical. What? Exotic spices, hint of smoke, long warming finish, perfect match for cold fall and winter nights. Love the sound of this. If you go to Sands Bar, he did a recent taste test, He isn't Chris. And you can meet the co-founders, Brad and Seth. You can also get 10% off if you want to try it. So the promo code there is WILDERTON10, W-I-L-D-E-R-T-O-N-10, the number 10. I'm going to pop this in the show notes for you, but that's exciting. And they always talk about this dry... Botanical bubbly from vanilla to cucumber, cherry to lavender. I love, love, love the flavor of dry bubbly. Check it out. Also, petal, elderberry white tea flower, peach marigold basil. I haven't tried these yet, but they're beautiful cans. And I'm telling you, anything Laura and Chris say to drink, I drink. So do it. Zero proof nation. My personal choices for mocktails, if I'm looking for something that is already made, I, based on what I have available in my community and the ease of that, I mean, honestly, I'm just going to the freaking grocery store. There's Free or Frey, I'm not exactly sure how it's pronounced, F-R-E, and they have a sparkling grape juice and it literally has the same sort of notes as a champagne and obviously it's not the fucking same. I get that, (laughs) but it's refreshing and it's sort of nice to have just like that little bubbly feeling. So I do that for celebrations and excitement and I always love a good glass. And one of my go-tos when I'm out and about, and I'm recently doing this at home as well, is club soda with about probably a quarter cup, Full, you know, like a quarter glass, whatever you call that. So you fill it up three quarters with club soda and then the rest of it with ginger beer and some fresh lime juice. It is out of this world refreshing. I've been making those at home a lot. Okay, on topic but off title. <laughs> I'm not talking about any more mocktails. I'm done with that conversation. But I want to talk to you about the Backstreet Boys. Backstreet's back, all right. AJ McLean reveals why pandemic was just a silver lining for his sobriety journey. It was a blessing, he said. Cool article. Like, this is a thing. Sometimes we forget that addiction knows nobody. It knows everybody. It doesn't matter if you're famous. It doesn't matter if you're not. Anyone can be actively addicted to so many things. But I love what he said. To be able to be sober for a year is the most challenging year that I've been alive ever. To be able to be sober for a year for the most challenging year that I've ever been alive ever. So cool. It's so true. It's so hard for us. I didn't know this, but he has a podcast with Cheryl Burke. Do you guys remember her? He and He and she, um, they were partners for Dancing with the Stars. Cheryl Burke is one of the dancers, and uh, she is also in recovery, as is AJ. So I love this story. I like to talk about celebs. I'm not going to get too into it because we're getting over time, and you guys are probably already sick of hearing about it. So um, guess what? I'll put it in the show notes. It's hollywoodlife.com. And they did an article, exclusive interview, AJ McLean and Cheryl Burke. All right. I think that's gonna be it, you guys. I have so much more. I have so much more, but I'm bored with myself, so I can't even imagine what you guys are going through. Oh my gosh, but I do have to talk about one more thing. (laughs) Only because it's intriguing to me and it's something that I think I'm going to explore. Now, I haven't totally committed just because I feel like... I do too much of that. So I'm going to settle the frig down and maybe next month. There's this really cool meditation guide for the rest of us. Justin Michael Williams has a meditation guide called Stay Woke. Now, when I was doing some research on what I was going to talk about for this podcast, I also am subscribed to a lot of email lists because I too am in recovery and I'm constantly working on sharpening my tools. I mean, not like, you know, sharpening, like you're going to get shivved if you see me in the hallway, but like, I don't know, staying fresh, right? Ooh, staying woke. (laughs) That's what the name of this is. So uh, let me get back to where I found this. Um, Tempest, they just did um, Holly Whitaker and her team did a spiel with him. Anyhow, I got introduced to this person through an email from The Tempest. I'm going to tell you a little about this book. I I just am beside myself about it. So, Stay Woke. This is what he says. We close our eyes and we can see a life we haven't started living yet. We see the people we know we were put on this earth to be, and we all know that we were born to do something incredible. We feel it inside. We can see the mothers we've always wanted to be, the lover we've always wanted to be, the father, the entrepreneur, the dancer, the artist, the actor, the singer, the leader, and the relationship we've always wanted, the business idea we always think about. But we spend so much time sitting on the sidelines waiting for the right moment. We sit and we wait because when we were younger, somebody told us that dream you have is not for you. It's not for you because you're too fat or too old or too ugly. Or too gay. You're not good enough. You're too skinny, too black. Or his favorite. People like us just don't do that. Whatever. They told us we weren't good enough and we believed them. He says he has a confession to make. This book is not really a meditation book. Yeah, he's going to teach you everything you need to know about meditation. But if you came looking for your typical hippie type Zen meditation book, you are in the wrong place. This book is for people who are overwhelmed with obsessive thinking, for people who are dealing with so much anxiety and stress that they have trouble sleeping, for people who have felt ashamed, wounded, not good enough, silenced, or marginalized, for people who feel like there's something missing in their life, but can't figure out what it is. This book, this book will help you pinpoint that wound, heal it, and use it as fuel to live the life you've always dreamed of. The book's about taking action. This book is about getting rid of that stuck feeling that's been gnawing at the back of your mind for all these years. But most importantly, this book is for us, for the people, For my black brothers and sisters, this is for you. For my LGBTQIA plus brothers and sister, this is for you. For my women who have had enough, this is for you. For my starving artists and workaholic creatives, this is for you. For my conscious entrepreneurs who want to make an impact, this is for you. For those who have been discriminated against for their otherness, this is for you. For my social justice warriors, this is for you. For my tree-loving planet savers, this is for you. For all the people of color and everyone who is woke enough to understand why I'm pointing that out, this is for you. And I just read that passionately because I love it. So Justin Michael Williams, Stay Woke, a meditation guide for the rest of us. I think I just have to get it and do it. Okay, join me, will you? Okay. I'm really going to be done now. Thank you guys so much for listening. You have no freaking clue what is coming up next week on the recovery hour podcast. I have an exclusive interview. Yep. That means no one else has done this, but I did and I'm so fucking proud of it and I'm so excited to share it with you and I have so much editing to do because there's five of us that's a little hint five women in recovery are gonna be on next week sharing just a bunch of shit about the holidays and what it's like to be a sober mom love all your faces I'm so happy that you're listening that you made it to the end happy holidays do your best if anything, just do one thing. Just do one thing today. Make the bed. Take a shower. Write in your journal. Go click the link on the (laughs) fucking notes page to one of these things that I spent a bazillion years hyperlinking to so you have easy access to resources for your recovery. Thank you so much. Have an amazing night. Have an amazing day. Have an amazing whatever it is for you. Later. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Hour podcast. Successful podcasts equal subscribers and good ratings. Please take a few minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. To learn more about me, your host, Lori Windfell, jump on over to therecoveryhour.com. Here, you'll find information on my coaching and speaking practices, as well as information on guests of the show. If you're still listening to this and you haven't subscribed to my mom yet, what are you doing? You're lame. So go do it right now. All right. All right. Calm down. Sorry about that. He's just really excited for this to be successful. Since I i have been spending all of my free time on this project and not with him. While you aren't lame, as my son suggests, I would really appreciate a few minutes of your time to subscribe. While it doesn't seem like much, it really does help my goal in spreading the word of recovery. Until next time, let's continue to inspire, live, and give.